Hi, this is Edward James Olmos, Admiral Adama, to many of you, and you're listening to Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. Think about it. Previously on Galactica Quorum. We will be at Balticon. Balticon is the convention in Baltimore that runs May 22nd to 25th. We will be recording a live, kind of live, podcast. Live from the event. Live from the event. Scott Sigler is scheduled to be our guest on that panel, so we'll get an author's perspective of Battlestar. And I'm looking forward to Scott's irate bashing of the show. Yeah, he wasn't a fan of the finale. Yeah. A lot of people weren't, but he was definitely not. I'm dying to get him in the discussion. How many of you are a little disappointed with the finale? Wait, is there another level beyond a little disappointed? And characters disappearing in a puff of logic was also awesome. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. It's a fracking podcast about Battlestar Galactica. We're here at Balticon. I'm Brian. I'm Michelle. And we also have with us special guest, Scott Sigler. Hello, thanks for having me on. Glad to have you here. For those of you who are not aware, Scott is a best-selling horror novelist. He's done a lot of podio. He's the first to do a novel and podcast form. One of the first. There was a group of three of us that got it all going in runs, but early, early mover. He's one of the early adopters, yes. And we have him here because he's a big BSG fan. And uh, I remember when the finale happened, I happened to catch some of his tweets about it and uh, thought, wow, that's... Interesting perspective, so I wanted to <laughs> get him on. I was less than pleased with the end of the you series. You weren't the only one. Yeah. There might be people here that actually uh, have, might have a different view, which we're always happy to hear. Just some housekeeping notes. Our website is galacticaquorum.com. Our email is gquorum at gmail.com. That's spelled G-Q-U-O-R-U-M. And we have a voicemail where you can send us comments, feedback, or questions. That's 301-358-5175. Follow us on Twitter, which I should mention our Twitter account is Galactica Quorum. All right. Uh, I guess, first of all, I have general questions for Scott. As a BSG fan, what drew you to it? Is there anything that's inspired you about it? What drew me to it is when I was a little kid, the original Battlestar Galactica series was out, and I was just apeshit for all the little Vipers and Cylon toys and all that other stuff and watching Apollo and, and Starbuck and that ridiculous, stupid dog. <laughs> even as a kid, I'm like, they wrote that in to sell stuff. But I loved, I just just adored that show. And then when I heard they were doing the remake, I was like, this is going to be a mess. I thought it was just going to be awful. I'm like, there's no, I was very much looking down my nose on it because I thought it was going to be modern, you know, cheesy Hollywood type stuff. It was completely unprepared for the level of realism and, and graphicness and the, the, the best space fighter special effects in the history of mankind. I just wasn't prepared for any of it. And I kept hearing people talk about this great show and the, how great the remake was. I'm like, well, fine. I'll just go ahead and download uh, the, the miniseries for the video iPod. And it was just amazing. So uh, the miniseries really kicked that show off for me famously. And as far as inspiring me, it actually... I have a new short story podcast that's been going on for a while called The Crypt because watching Battlestar Galactic again, I realized that it's so much fun to have that big ship as the focal point for an entire series. And when you take a spaceship, put it out in the isolation of the big black and all the things that can happen out there. I mean, I was just, I was riveted every time I watched the show. So you've got the old days, Space 1999. 
Battlestar Galactica, uh, the, the various Star Treks, all of which focus around a ship. And I wanted my own ship. I wanted a ship that reflected the, the fiction that I write. So I came up with the James Keeling, which is a secret vessel, which is nicknamed the Crypt because it's got about an 80% mortality rate on this ship. And it's all, no one knows what's happening. All they know is that if you get assigned to the Crypt, you have probably done something very bad. So instead of the happy-go-lucky place of the Starship Enterprise, I've got a crew that's full of cowards and rapists and murderers and thieves. And it's, um, let's take about 160 really awful people, cram them into a tiny ship, then send them on very dangerous missions and, and watch the fun. And that's all come because of being able to see the kind of long-form storytelling that you can do that Battlestar Galactica showed me. Like, you can tell a story, one story over five whole seasons and four whole seasons, and it, it can be awesome. That actually was one of the questions I was going to ask you is, someone answered it already, but if you listen to Ron Moore's podcast, he'll mention often a source for an idea for a storyline. For instance, I remember, I forget what season it was, but he said this, we wanted to mimic something in Crimson Tide where the XO was against the captain and we uh, brought this into the story or we wanted to create the atmosphere of Das Boot when we created the Demetrius vessel and things like that. So those are a little bit more fine-tuned. Did you as you watch Battlestar, did you ever see a scene or character or something like that that was specific that you wanted to say, oh, I'd love to do something just like that? Not quite a, a scope so much as the big story, but just something Well, what, what Battlestar Galactica did that's really important in hardcore storytelling is the numerous character faults that these characters had. They all had their happy, shiny moments when they stepped up and did the right thing. But that crew, was, those people were a mess. They were a giant hot mess of quirks and things. And that's where I got the idea to take it one step farther. Let's not just have people who are, you know, emotionally damaged. Let's get actual felons and take it to the next level. And just a lot of the stuff that they did is going to seep into, cause I, I'm doing the crypt as a three, it's a three season TV show. I'm writing it like that. So if it gets picked up, it just gets plugged in and being able to follow those arcs through. So with that many episodes, there's going to be a lot of stuff. I, I imagine that. Hardcore Battlestar Galactic fans, if I was ever to get this TV show made, would be like, I can, I remember that or I can see where that was an influence. But it's coming from a lot of places. I'm also reading a lot of submarine books and, uh, reading about World War II submarine warfare is crazy, crazy stuff. And the episodes just literally, they just fly off the pages. So it's cool. We have a thread on our message board recently where people were talking about how we kind of wish that there was more science fiction that was fleet based. I happen to love naval, well, naval in terms of space, naval sci-fi with fleets. And uh, you mentioned submarine battles. I, one of the reasons I love Star Trek II was the final battle at the end, which was reminiscent of some of the great submarine battles mm -hmm. between the two. And I think one of the things we miss now in this sort of era where we have special effects that create ships that can zip and zoom and do all this thing, and they're tiny fighters, and they're really, you know, they, they fly fast. And But we miss the big capital ships that just go side to side, and they fire their cannons, and we got a lot of that in BSG, yep. and now there's a void for that for me. I, I wish there was more, and I think they could easily mine a lot of the great World War II battles, and then, you know, you think of big ones like Midway or whatever, but there's other ones that were in the Pacific Theater, especially like Leyte Gulf and things like that, mm -hmm. that I think they really, if someone was to take that, they could really uh Well, basically, I mean, that's what Valsar Galactica was. It was World War II fighting put into space, you know, a lot of dogfighting. I mean, now... Modern-day dogfighting with jets, the odds of you actually seeing what you kill are almost nil. You're, not, you're never going to see your enemy. You're going to kill them with a missile from five or six miles away. 
So that was part of the respect and admiration I had for the show, which is how do you set up that kind of mano a mano salvo drama in space and, and actually make it work? And they did that really well. And the dogfighting was, I mean, the funnest part of the whole thing. Till the first hour of the last episode, staggeringly good <laughs> watching that ship get the crap kicked out of it like that. It's just amazing. Right. Well, speaking of the finale, who here? We'll just take a show of hands. How many of you are happy with the finale? How many of you are a little disappointed with the finale? Wow, it's 50-50. Wait, is there another level beyond a little disappointed? How many of you thought it was the... All right, you, you come up something. You're the writer. Come up with the... Uh, how many of you thought that you had been absolutely betrayed by a writing team that tried to pretend they knew where the story was going, and when you got to the end, they really pulled it all out of their ass? <laughs> That's my level. Here's what he tweeted after the finale. I, I kept it because I thought it was so funny. Um, just finished the BSG finale. I won't give spoilers. Just skip it. All of it. A turd worthy of a T-Rex with irritable bowel syndrome. I, I tweeted that. <laughs> <laughs> it's out there forever. It's out there forever now. <laughs> right, uh... Yeah, we did a show immediately after the finale where some of the people that I was with, uh, they were caught up on the moment. I had niggling doubts about it, I guess. And then uh, as time went on, I started to have more questions and and it just went downhill from and there. Downhill from there. But <laughs> let's narrow it down. What was the, of all the sins committed in the finale for you, what was the one that you thought was the most egregious? Uh, the most egregious was, it's not a problem with the supernatural aspect, but they spend so much time setting up these constructs and building a culture and then completely abandon the same culture that they wrote in order to come up with a convenient ending. For me, the most egregious thing was you couldn't even get these people to agree on anything when they are on the run from a genocidal enemy and they are still fighting amongst themselves down to the union level and the worker level, they can't agree in parliament, they can't take a vote, they can't make anything work, and yet when you get to the end, everyone agrees that we're going to walk off into the woods and be hippies and send all of our ships into the sun. <laughs> that was just like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. That was one of many things that I had problems with the, at the end of the episode was they spent four years building up this, constructing this intricate culture and showing us how these people interact and then just totally walked away from it. But Lee told them to. And whatever Lee says goes. The other thing, <laughs> from a storytelling perspective, I was really disappointed that they've spent three years showing me what a hotshot pilot Starbuck is and then they put a gun in her hand and sent her into infantry battle. Yeah, stuff like that. You're just, it's almost like they brought in a set, you know, they brought in the team who wrote Highlander 2. They had them come in, not watch the rest of the series, and just finish things off for them. So I can go on, but that was the biggest thing. Uh, you mentioned the God or the supernatural angle. Mm -hmm. The problem I have with the whole supernatural angle is this whole thing that there's an unseen power guiding them to this particular location, and all the bad things that happened to them along the way were meant to get them at this particular point in time. So predestination rears its ugly head. Everything was meant to be blah, 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 blah. And then you have to ask yourself, at one point, couldn't this God who's got angels obviously there just show up and say, can't you just go over here? All this extra rigmarole drama is all fine for the main characters that make it, but then you're basically, the construct you have created in the story is saying that God's going to slaughter about 20,000 of you to get the rest of you to this particular point. You know, and it was just weak. I mean, there was just no way around. It was just weak. It was great storytelling up to the end, and then they didn't finish it off, which was what was frustrating is you thought they knew where they were going with it, and they didn't. Hmm. Does it affect your enjoyment of the series overall to a point where 
Like I go back now and I watch some of those old episodes and some of it, uh, I have to say, doesn't quite ring as powerfully for me now. Yeah. Uh, I see a character doing something and I'm like, well, I thought this might really have an impact, but really it's just filler. Filler. Yeah. I haven't gone back and watched any of it since the final episode and I probably will go back and watch some of it again, but for the most part, I will be fast-forwarding to the fighter scenes and the whoop-ass special effects. It retroactively altered my enjoyment of the episodes I had already seen when I was saying this is the best crap I've ever seen in my whole life, and now it's not the best crap I've ever seen in my whole life. So endings are important. Endings, as a storyteller, working towards a fixed ending and trying to say, I'm going to take roughly 80 hours of your life away from you so that you can watch or read what I'm telling you and you are trusting in me that I know where I'm going and I'm taking you to a, a particular place. And when you get there, you're like, you really didn't put in the wrench time to figure out where this was going to go, did you? If I hadn't seen the last hour of that show, I would still say it's the best TV series that's ever been put on. Best movie, best thing, best moving picture anything ever. Mm. So um, I'll go back and watch Stuff Blow Up because that was really sweet. <laughs> Does anyone want to comment? The Go ahead. What would you have to do? What is, what is the absolute minimum change you'd make to that script to make it satisfying? What, what would it be? The minimum change to me is they have to give up on the whole Earth thing because the way they had constructed it, they tried to wrap it up by ripping off, you know, what was it, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and they tried to wrap this up to say, all of this has already happened. Now they land on our Earth. And there's no physical evidence ever of this advanced culture showing up. Here's why there's no physical evidence ever. And then they, they tried to cram this fictional series into our real historical timeline. I appreciate where they're going with it, but there was just too much baggage carried along with it. They should have just given up on when – they, when they made it to the first Earth and that was all blown up, they should have just gone somewhere else. I mean they had it, they had it in a good spot. They get to Earth. Earth is fucked up. Now they've got to come up with another solution. When you got to that part of the series and Earth was fucked up, you were sitting there going, what are they going to do now? Holy crap. I did not see this coming at all. Earth is radioactive and poisoned. And now, since we all know the old Balsar Galactica and they were hunting, they were hunting for Earth, now it's all possibilities open up wide. So the biggest thing to me was like, they had it there, then they tried to cram it back, cram the square peg back into the round hole. Anyone else? Someone that liked it. Come on. Just shout it out. Shout it out. Obviously, they didn't have to disperse. They could have tried making a city, and it didn't work. I mean, they didn't have to do that to have it fit the historical. Well, they did. They did because they had to explain why there is no physical evidence of this advanced culture. They had to explain why they abandoned all tools, all medicine, all agriculture. They had to abandon all that stuff. That can just be explained by their civilization fell afterwards. I mean, they, they built a city, and they you know, played cave. I mean, it doesn't, they didn't actually have to explain that. You're right. I mean, what they could have done is they could have, it could have been like an Atlantis-type scenario where, yeah, the, all the evidence of this culture is still there. We just haven't found it yet, but they wanted to go no evidence. Yeah, and essentially they didn't have the courage to say humanity got there, their civilization couldn't make it, you know, and was lost, but, you know, the species survived. The other thing that was just wild was they've traveled all across the stars, they get to Earth, and they can breed with the inhabitants of this planet. That was just like... Wow, you guys really don't know anything about science at all, do you? Like nothing. Like literally nothing. It was staggering. That also means that there was no point in, they didn't preserve their culture, nor was what they were doing necessary to preserve their species. Mm -hmm. As far as we know, you know, humanity would have done 
develop exactly the same way. So you're right, it's very frustrating that way to, to have them essentially take away the point of them surviving because neither the human race actually did, neither the human race nor their culture depended on them. Mm-hmm. And characters disappearing in a puff of logic was also awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the thing I would change the most would be the Starbucks. I think that, to me, was the biggest, what the fuck? That was the biggest fuck you fans I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. You just, you made a character disappear. It was like, ah, I got your money, motherfuckers. Fuck you. <laughs> Watch this. Poof. Ha. What do you think of that? Stupid idiot. And now you can spend the next five years figuring out why we did that. Yeah. We want to leave the story open so people can have their own interpretations of it. Yes. That means you were lazy. That's what that means. Did they really say that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I've read blogs where that, I'm paraphrasing, but the quote is, we leave her, what she was and where she went is open to the interpretation of the audience. There are many different possibilities, all of them good. Like crap like that. Which, the stuff I create is very hard science-based, very tight, tight plot lines, and you should be able to see what's coming, coming by, before you get to the end of the book. And if you haven't, then hopefully you get that kind of sixth sense sensation. Like, he told me everything that was going to happen. I just didn't put the pieces together. So the way they ended that show is diametrically opposed to the style of storytelling I have, which is why I'm so vehemently upset about it. But everything up to that, I constantly have to re- reiterate this, everything up to that, that was some great writing. That was just fantastic characters. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the leaving things up for interpretation goes to Starbuck and her father, Daniel. And then they have one of the Cylons named Daniel. So then you automatically assume that Starbucks' father is this Cylon Daniel. And then they come out and say, we don't understand why everybody thought that. Yeah. Come on. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a question? Well, it was the, the Starbuck issue. Oh. You just take a character and, and make her disappear. And, uh, I mean, they, they tied up a few of the storylines, a few of the plot lines before that last hour. But in the last hour, like I say, uh, the writers just took a left turn from their own universe and just walked off the stage. Said, okay, well, here's, we've got you up to this point. Now you're hanging on the edge of your seat. Um, and we're going to take a left turn away from hard science and, and wave our hand and the story is over and it's, you know, we've moved on in history and thanks for watching. Look, it seems to off the rails at the point when their truce with the silence fell apart. Because it meant that their attempt to reconcile with the silence and make peace with them had failed. And we never got any indication of how significant that was. The only purpose I could see for those you know, angels to come and try to guide mankind was to try to end this cycle, end the cycle of human Cylon violence. And they almost made it and, and didn't, you know. The whole cycle thing was, I mean, come on. So God, who's trying to end the cycle that God created, because God creates everything, therefore God created the cycle, and God can make a brand new viper appear out of nowhere and come back with a secret-coded message can't just come out and say, hey, how's it going? I'm God. I want you guys to stop killing each other. You might not be evident, though. You might limited, Of course God can't do that. We might shoot him if he tried that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Let's just slaughter 20,000 humans in the process. And that's you know way after most of humanity got vaporized in the first place. So that's just the people in the fleet. By the way, the easiest way to interpret you know the thing about this that happened before and what happened again is it was a remake. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Where it went off the rails to me is when they pulled the Buffy the Vampire Slayer and brought Starbuck back to life. At that point, my alarm bell started to go off. Like, you guys really don't have the balls I thought that you had. Because they were whacking characters left and right. Every time you would turn around, I'm like, I cannot believe they dusted another character. That's what made the show so absolutely gripping is 
when they put Starbuck and Apollo in danger, you knew they were willing and able to pull the trigger and that that character might actually die. That's what separated Battlestar Galactica away from Magnum P.I. and other shows like that where you know they're going to wrap everything up by the end of the episode. You had no idea who's going to live and die. So then they kill her, they bring her back, and at that point you're like, oh, yeah, that's... I also thought they might abandon Galactica, too. Remember they were going to abandon ship? That would have been cool. And I took that seriously. I thought maybe the next episode, the next of the Battlestar Galactica behind them, Battlestar Galactica, that would have been cool. I think the Starbucks coming back, I think it was just the execution of it. I think, like you said, when they first arrived at Earth, they radiated Earth, and you're like, wow, this blew my mind, and you see Starbucks' corpse in the fuselage, and that also is another mind-blowing moment. And I still think they, from that point, could have found a resolution that was satisfactory. They, they could have, yeah. But, but yeah, I think part of it was just, maybe it's just the method that the writers put together the stories, which is a very dynamic, organic process where they'll say, let's try this. What does it mean? I don't know, but it sounds really good. And you hear that a lot in Ron Moore's podcast. And I think there came a point when they did that one too many times when they could not go back and fix what they have done. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Well, not to compare too many science fiction shows, Babylon 5 had a five-year arc. And they kind of ended it early. And you can see in the last few shows where they had to kind of build the time, but writers and producers knew this was a four-year arc. They could have had some, some, some overarching thought processes in the works for those four years, regardless of the writer's strike and the change out and things like that. But they didn't. They, as you say, they went from, from episode to episode and kind of headed in a direction, got themselves painted or wrote themselves into a corner and then right. jump shit. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is what they needed to do at the end of this is not try and wrap everything up. There's too many threads going on. There's too many puppets dancing on too many strings. You know, let it run its natural course. That it was just that contrived effort to force everything into a happy little ending. And then give us, oh, thanks for the message that robots are bad. Wow. I'm glad that you're lecturing me on the culture and you're now this expert fucking leader of our future. What the fuck? Entertain me. Don't preach to me. They even wrote the ship into a corner. I mean, the ship's been taking four years of pounding. That was great. When that well, structural damage, they couldn't let it go indefinitely because it would just fall apart and it the story. Where I thought it was going. Can we talk about where I thought yeah, it was going? Yeah, yeah. Where I thought it was going, when they started putting the Cylon jizz all over the sides of the ship, <laughs> I was like, this is friggin' awesome. The Galactica is going to become half Cylon, half human ship. It's going to be intelligent. It's going to be, you know, and then it's going to be crewed with half humans and half Cylons. And if they do it right, then the half human, half Cylon crew is going to branch out and want to fight the Cylons and want to fight the humans. And it'll be a whole third culture coming out of this. I thought it was like, this is awesome. Yeah, as a writer, when you see this stuff, you're like, I would have never thought of that in a million years. That's when you're you're very happy. Like when they started spreading that goo all over the place, I was like, that's so cool. But uh, And it didn't really wind up doing anything at all. Because who was the sports playing dude who wound Sanders. up in Yeah, and like they were even driving it towards like, he's going to be the brain of the Galactica. This is going to be so badass. And they didn't do anything with make a few lights flicker. Why is science fiction so full of substandard electrical work? Can anybody tell me this? <laughs> Why is it every time there's a science fiction show that people can't just plug in a damn circuit breaker or something like that and things have to flicker and whatnot? Way to go, Sam. Nice power. You made shit flicker. Yeah, go ahead. I have to say I kind of disagree with the thing about Starbuck not being in a viper at the end because there had been an ongoing element in the story that you're a viper pilot and then you grow beyond that. Okay. A bridge crew. And it, it seemed to me like Starbuck had grown beyond being a hotshot pilot that she essentially had reached a point where she had to leave that behind. I, I totally see where you're going, but, I mean, if we're going to talk militarily, if your species' survival is at stake, your best pilot goes into your best ship. 
your best fighter. Second best pilot goes in your second best fighter because those fighters were all beat to crap. I mean, so yeah, character wise, yeah, but I mean, that was a big battle, and it just I wanted to see her blow more stuff up. Yeah. How about the uh, upcoming? DVD movie, The Plan, that's coming out in August or September. Are you aware of that? You know what I'm talking about? I'm aware of it, but they've already... I How mean, many of you wondered since in season one, season two, the opening credits where it said the Cylons have a plan? Yeah. Okay. This is The Plan. They're doing a movie about the Cylon angle, and it's going to cover, I guess, right before the, the uh, attack on the colonies, and then it goes along and it tells their side. How do you feel about them having to wrap up things using yet another movie, but they didn't answer in the series? And how do you feel about seeing the Cylon side, which probably is going to make them seem more sympathetic? Michelle is a very big advocate of things that she wishes were scary, like yeah. the Terminator series. The Terminator's got too friendly. You're not scared of them anymore. And then Not anymore. Yeah. And then uh, like the Cylons used to be the shark in the water, and then they became very... They were little wussies, is what the Cylons were. Trying to get, I mean, yeah, that's what I want out of my bad guy. I'm really trying to get in touch with my emotions, discover myself, and become more like you people that we just exterminated. I thought that was a little crazy. But this is a business, and their job is to make money. Their job is to make a show that people watch so they can sell advertising and then sell DVDs and and not enough. Have you ever tried to find a Galactica model? It's just hard to find. They, they have not really done a good job in the merchandising for this. But that's besides the point. Their job is to make shows. So the setup of the plan from the business side, I totally respect that. Jamming in all that extra stuff to Pimp Caprica that had absolutely nothing to do with the, with the show. You can see that. But uh, I'm not going to watch it. I, fool me once mm. for four years. <laughs> shame on shame on you. So you're soured on Caprica then, the, the series? Yep. I'm not watching that. I'm not watching the plan. If if I get feedback from the Twitterverse or whatever, people are like, wow, the plans really kick ass. I will wait until it's completely finished, find out how it ended, and then uh, then, I, then I will go watch it because it's a lot of time, dude. That's a lot of time. Yeah. How about you guys? How many of you uh, are really looking forward to the plan? Wow. That says an iffy. Because a lot of what we've heard about it so far is that you'll see like some of the same scenes we saw in the series, but you'll see like somebody over someone's shoulder who whispered something, and we'll get to see what they whispered. Yeah, I don't know. It's like they're trying to patch together something. I'm worried it's going to be another razor where they are skipping into existing scenes that we've seen. Before. I think they are planning to do that, and I don't think I don't know if it's going to work as well as it did in Razor. I think it did because it fleshed out that one character, which we all sort of saw that, and it was fascinating to see. Oh my God, what if they had had just this really horrible thing? Happen? <laughs> <laughs> they became the scum that they think is so bad. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of reacted to Razor the way these guys were reacting to the end. I thought Razor was a disappointment. I don't like Razor either. But so. Yeah, <laughs> none of us did either. Uh, but, uh, okay, so I was kind of surprised. I thought more people would be like, wow, more BSG is a good thing. Um, so how about Caprica? How many of you have seen the Caprica movie? It's on DVD. We know, Ted, we know you've seen it. <laughs> of course you have. Wow. I'm scared to. I didn't know about it. Oh, the review pre- Wow. Um, yeah, the, it's the prequel, and they obviously did a really piss-poor job of marketing it because these people are BSG fans, and they don't know anything about it. Um, it's a DVD. It came out in April. This time, they're doing the reverse of what they did with Razor. Razor, they put it on Sci-Fi first, and then they put it on a DVD. And this time, they're selling DVD first, and then they're going to put it on Sci-Fi later, minus the boobies. Because right. <laughs> The, the boobies. There's boobs in the DVD. Uh, yes. Lots of boobies. Blatantly. Uh, so yeah, the uh, one we know. No, all nameless Vancouverans. 
It's kind of mixed. I just on our. It's it's funny the feedback we get. Uh, we have had some people that thought it was okay, and overall, we thought it was okay. But there's stuff that I don't think they addressed well enough to make it fit into the Battlestar universe. And the stuff that they did make Battlestar E, you might be disappointed in. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good watch, but <clears throat> there were some things where I was like, "Really? That's really." I was unhappy with the way they tried to squeeze Battlestar into it. Because it is a prequel, so they are constrained by what happens, especially in the finale. And we, our last podcast, we spent discussing it. And one of the things I brought up was they are limited by not only what happens in the future in terms of all the coming up timeline, but especially in the finale with the revelations about God and angels. And so when you find out that, oh, Cylons are created this way and the religion's origin began this way, you're like, well, okay, well, that means that since we know that Baltar, Head Baltar and Head Six are angels, they kind of could or should show up, right? I mean, because they're not, they're not a chip in a head. That was something I thought was just, they're going to get really stuck with because, um, go ahead. I think what is detracting me from seeing some of these prequels and, and parallel stories is the abrupt and permanent ending that the producers uh, created for us in the series because there's there's no way to, to keep going. All you can do is go back in time and retell chunks of the story and they'll never be able to do it as well as it did the first time. Had they left it open, sure, they could have ended the series, but they left themselves literally open to possibilities, forward, back, sideways, could have done anything. But because we know with such finality what happens in their mind, with this universe, it basically shut down the universe. There's not much else you could do for it. Right. How do you feel about prequels? Do you have any um, ideas of writing prequels to any of your stories, or do you feel like that's something that's too hard to... The ideas I've had for prequels usually involve bad guys that get whacked in my stories. So I don't know if anybody's read a story I got called Earth Core, where one of the, the villainous is a woman named Kayla Myers, who's, who's quite evil and very bad, and uh, meets her uh, well-deserved demise at the end of the book, but just became such a dynamic character, I want to go back and write prequels of her on the way to becoming what she is. The only problem with that being, as he mentioned, people are reading this prequel, they know damn well she's going to live through the prequel because she's already been in the later book. For me, a prequel has to be kind of a... It's a strange animal that'll pop up because if you're reading the book and you already know which characters are going to live, then you're not going to enjoy the book. I mean, I think as a Stephen King fanboy... One of the things that he constantly did in his work and what, what I think made him so popular was the same thing Battlestar Galactica did. He would whack any character at any time for absolutely no reason. And when what happens when you do that in a story is when you put characters in danger and you, the reader, or you, the viewer, or the listener, know that, yes, this character will probably could, or could die, that puts you on the edge of your seat. That's what makes it so dynamic. Where If you read a Robin Cook novel, for example, same four people are in every novel – when they get locked in the freezer of death, you know they're going to somehow figure their way out of the freezer of death. And they're fun reads, but they don't, you know, your pulse doesn't pick up and you don't know what's going to happen. So prequels are very tough in that regard. If she was like, you can make somebody a secondary character in a prequel and introduce some other characters, you don't know whether they're going to live or not. That could work out. But Battlestar Galactica's got it. I mean, they got to do something to keep, I hope, I don't Is there any information on the success of this? How the sales have been? I haven't seen any. I don't know. 
Now, they could kill anybody they want to prequel, though, and bring back an angel just like they did Star Wars. Yep. Good point. They were, you know, angel wow, Chief Terrell is a Cylon angel. Who, who knew that? That's crazy. That, to me, is the danger of waving the, the god wand. Is Anything can be explained away now. Yeah. That's a huge danger in uh, – so we'll get to you in one sec. Sorry. But that's that's a huge danger of setting up a science fiction show with uh, lots of science in your science fiction. As soon as the God element comes in, you know, the storytelling discipline is out the window. You can make up – you can make a character, I don't know, vanish. <laughs> <laughs> there are no there are no story problems when you can make people disappear. Right. You had a question? The God thing. Mm-hmm. I never had a problem with it because spirituality was always a part of the Battlestar Galactica series. And I don't see it as a God the way we think of because as we know, anything we don't understand is magic to us and magic could be God. Mm-hmm. So for me, these could just be very advanced aliens that somehow managed to live all through this in the first place. And the reason I don't mind Starbuck just vanishing is because to me, she's Dave Bowman. She went to Earth. She died in that. But she was by whatever God, advanced alien... She is the metamorphosis, the in-between part now, and that's why she was sent back to try to help guide us. Whether or not you think that was a great idea, doesn't matter. Uh, That's just what I think that they tried to do. So her purpose was served, and she went on to whatever Dave Bowman went on to next after combining with Hal. Getting to Earth and giving up all the stuff that they had was a big mistake, because that's what they didn't learn. It's not that we have to abandon technology. We have a lust for technology. We're greedy human beings, and we want it. We have to learn to live with it, and simply because they didn't means it all could happen again, which means this actually could be a prequel to the original series. And for that, I kind of love it. So in this prequel to the original series, there comes out to be another 13 colonies and another ship named Galactica. It's all happened before, and it could all happen again. And if it's all happened before and it's all going to happen again, why are we watching it? <laughs> that's, that's, that's my question. It's God. That's what we learned. <laughs> and the whole- Hendrix is God. Oh, I was, I was really hoping they would actually explain that. It's the abandoning of the storytelling that is the problem. You've already told us repeatedly that these people don't like each other very much and can't agree on anything. And then they all agree to a certain very brutal and nasty death from things as common as a paper cut if it gets infected and you have no, no, that, that was, that was the moment where I was like, why the hell would you give up your technology? Yeah. And even I, and I like my ending. That was the one thing that I, didn't say right. And you got to come back. There was a compromise in the in the writing room somewhere. Right about you got as as this creator, they've got to do a better job than just saying they sent Starbuck back to guide them to this place. If you can do all of this crazy stuff, and this gets you into the bigger religious mythos in, in almost all our religions, if God can do all of these crazy amazing things, why can't God just tell them where to go? He did tell them. He or she it told them where to go, but in an incredibly convoluted and illogical fashion. Are they going to answer that? Just just hanging out your shingle to say, well, it's it's a mystery, and the Lord works in mysterious ways. That's you saying that you don't have the chops to finish off your story. They didn't do this to make some mythological statement about humankind. They ran out of steam. They didn't know how to finish their story, and now they're trying to cover their ass on it. I'm just surprised since they had not only the usual breaks, and they have long breaks because it's on sci-fi and they took a year to do the show, but they had the strike, too. And famously, Ron Moore had said something like he'd been on the picket line and he had a new revelation about how he wanted to end the series. Has anyone read or heard anything about what he actually changed? He alluded to it a little bit in one of the podcasts where he said, we changed some things, maybe I'll tell about it someday. There allegedly was talk once uh, that he had mentioned that instead of finding, you know, the mitochondrial Eve, that they were actually going to find the, the one last... Adama has one ship that's still somewhere to be found on this earth. That one didn't go anywhere. 
and they originally they had there's a shot that they had National Geographic was going to be that that they found that, but somehow we thought that would take it out of the realism of the world that he, that, that Battlestar Galactica had created. That's why he went with the E mitochondrial E instead. Which and the only reason I like the mitochondrial E is because that shows that everybody on Earth that shows that we came from somewhere else because everything on Earth came from this one thing that was different because it's part satellite, part human. If I let them tell me and I believe the fact that the people on Earth were human enough for us to intermingle with. If I believe that, and well, uh, I'll give them a little bit of room. Real fast, did you feel that they could have gone another season or did you think that they were running out of steam? You're shaking your head. Is that a yes? I they- think they could have. I mean, with proper writing, you can keep a story going for decades. But I think they had another, with all the open story arcs, and all the character flaws and foibles and the depth of the characters that they already created, they had another season. I think they had one more. I think they had one more as well. I felt a lot of the, they truncated, the silence of a war basically happened off camera in one episode. The mutiny lasted, it was three episodes, but it could have even been longer. Of course, by the very end, I was so tired of Lee's whining and flip-flopping and Kara's craziness and does she like Lee, does she like Anders? I was so tired of that, I was like, okay. I was ready, right? Better, shorter. They should have cut out, shortened it by four to six episodes. Well, I think if they would have cut off the hostage episode, leave out the several subplots along the way, could have been trimmed to keep it more focused. And also, they could have taken that writing effort and put it into a better end. A lot of people have mentioned to me that they felt, and I agree, that the last two episodes, leading even the three, maybe leading up to the finale. They didn't have a quite a momentum going on. It was a lot of things where stuff we'd seen before and we were waiting for it to really push into the finale and it seemed like they were treading water a lot. And I thought, wow, you guys only have so many hours left. What's what's the deal? Come on. Professor asked about Hera and the opera aspect. Mm-hmm. What was your opinion for the That felt like it was really built up and that was like, oh, that's it. Yeah. They didn't know what they were building up to. They were just building. Yeah, I can't take credit for it, but I've read a lot of posts about how Nothing happened in the opera house that couldn't have happened anywhere else. She had no effect whatsoever. Everyone converged on the CIC because, hey, it's the CIC. Where else are you going to go? The John? It didn't make, you know, they all went there. She didn't do anything. Her role at that pivotal moment was uh, she didn't have a role. Uh, it was ended up being um, the chief more than anyone else who did something because he's the one that broke the data stream that made Cabell freak. And then he killed himself from some yeah. stupid reason. All right. Think we're about done? Yeah, we need to wrap it. All right, we didn't even get to our uh, second part of our episode. We had I- episode ideas and reimagined endings, but uh, this is what always happens. We just keep t- we talking. Well, we you get me started on bitching about that show. It's going to chew up a lot of time. <laughs> 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 All right, so uh, I want to thank everybody for coming. Thank you, Scott. Mm-hmm. Glad to be here. Again, our website is galacticacorum.com. Our email is gquorum at gmail.com, and our voicemail, 301-358-5175. Follow us on Twitter. Our name is galacticacorum. And I'm at scottsigler.com and in bookstores all over the place. Okay, the jump clock is running. We'll see you next time. Thank you very much.
Oh, there's more. There's supposed to be more. There's more? <laughs> That's all right. Oh, yeah. We'll just pretend our fabulous fanfare played. We don't need that. We don't need that.